I wonder how many people, how many people on the brink, how many people struggling, how many people wounded, ready to give up on Jesus and ready to give up on each other, prayed this prayer and discovered once again the wonder of all that God is to us as he reveals himself in this prayer. morning. A uh, couple of weeks ago, I uh, mentioned something about speaking from the front porch and um, informing you about some things that are going on. I'm going to take just a, a moment uh, to talk to you from the front porch again. I need my Cracker Barrel recliner up here, or rocker, that's what I need. Um, a lot of good things going on. Pastor Ryan was uh, mentioning a couple of those this morning, but one you may not be aware of yet uh, because we've just been um, having some conversation with Sycamore Manor about providing services on Sunday afternoon for uh, the, the fine folks at, and staff at, at Sycamore Manor. And it looks like we're, gonna, we're going to begin doing that and working out the details with them and uh, we'll be providing Sunday afternoon services twice a month uh, to, to start with uh, that Sycamore Manor, where as you know, some of our folks, some good faith folks uh, reside. So uh, I'm excited about that, and I hope you are too. We cover your prayers as we, as we think through what that means for us, and as volunteers, basically it, it involves uh, providing some music and uh, some preaching. So I think, uh, I think we can handle that and uh, become the pastors, uh, the church family for Sycamore Manor as well. So. It's good news. It's good stuff happening. So, I want to talk to you about prayer this morning. I want to talk to you about prayer. Martin Luther once said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. In other words, prayer is at the heart of the Christ follower's life. Prayer is at the heart. Back in the day, when ministry was all new and I had, had my first church and I attended my very first family camp, in uh, the old Dakota district, and uh, we met in Rapid City, South Dakota, in the old tabernacle, and each morning around dark 30, there was a men's prayer meeting in that old tabernacle. And we would make our way, and, and as the sun broke over the tall lodge pines of the Cedar Canyon campground, the old timers led the charge. <clears throat> it's like... They're storming the altar. Voices changed, right? All of a sudden there was this God voice and it wasn't their voice anymore. It was, and you could hear it. Lofty superlatives, grand biblical verse, 
seemed to soar to some sort of crescendo, and it seems like they gathered energy from one another. And I'm, you know, shy, meek, introvert over here in the corner thinking to myself, is that how you have to pray? It's quite intimidating, actually. It was, it, was, it was more than a little intimidating, in fact. And disciples, they've been hanging around Jesus for a while. They've been hanging around Jesus for a while, and the more, the more they were with him, the more curiosity builds in their minds. Until finally, one day after watching Jesus pray, the guys muster the courage, and, and they ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. That's how I felt in the tabernacle. Lord, teach me, teach me to pray. Luke chapter 11, that's where we'll be hanging out today, but this is Jesus, right? Jesus prays. In all four books, uh, biographies of Jesus' life, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record how often Jesus prayed. Jesus stealing away by himself to pray. Crying out in the middle of crowds praying. Jesus whispering in the dark. Jesus prays along the way. Jesus prays at the break of morning, at the end of exhausting days of ministry. And the disciples take notice. One day... Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And we're hanging for the answer, right? Lord, teach us to pray. I've watched others pray. I have ideas about praying, but Lord, teach me. Teach me to pray. Listen to the words. Laced with the goodness of God that Joseph spoke about. Give us words to frame our prayers. Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he, Jesus, said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone sins against us and lead us not into temptation then he said suppose suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says friend lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him and the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already clocked and my, my children with me in bed. I, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not give up, get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. 
So Jesus says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? That'd be a good message, wouldn't it? What do you, what do, you do when you're asking for a fish and it looks like you get a snake? That'd be a great message. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much will he fill you with himself? How much will he fill you with himself? When you pray, say, Father. Oh, the Father. Not the same word as Abba. Some, some uh, argue uh, Jesus uses the word, the intimate word Abba here, but it's not the same word. But it, but it carries the same meaning and carries the same picture of a, of a caring father bending to listen, inclining his ear, giving full attention, not the kind of attention, the half-hearted attention uh, that I give Cheryl when I'm watching a, a basketball game and half dozing in my recliner. but the full attention of God. And quickly we see here that what Jesus is, is beginning to teach the disciples is not, not words for a relationship with God, not words to facilitate a relationship. He's giving the disciples, he's giving them words that flow from a relationship with God. It's a huge difference. Jesus says, Father, not so much a method that Jesus is laying out or even a pattern. He's talking about a relationship. He's telling a story. Even as he instructs, Jesus is telling a story of this wonderful, amazing relationship that we have with the Father from whom every good and perfect gift comes. Like when my son calls, right? He says, hey, pops. Hey, pops. More often than not now, he just texts, but still same thing, right? Hey, pops. What's up, Dylan? Earlier, Joseph encouraged us not to rush through the moment filled with wonder too quickly. And I want to tell you, don't, don't pass over this when you pray, say, Father, too quickly. Because for many of us, this, this passage is familiar. It's, it's also repeated in Matthew, and we know, we recognize it quickly. This is the framework for the Lord's Prayer that many of us learned in our lives. But, but what I want to say to you this morning, and perhaps you haven't thought of in a very, very, very long time, but when you say, Father, he says, and he calls you by name. 
Nancy. Roger. Father Joseph, I know you. You're mine. And it echoes with Jesus' words in, in, the, in the Gospel of John when he's, when he's teaching about the Good Shepherd and, and he says, I, I know my sheep, I, I call them by name. Every one of them, I know by name. Every one of them I respond to by name personally. Not in mass. Cynthia, you personally. This moment. This time. Marvel at this, church. Prayer is, is not some routine activity that Jesus is teaching. He's teaching that this is, this is between two people who, who know and love each other. And your father especially knows you. After all, right, church? He knit you together in your mother's womb. His thoughts of you are legion, are many, are too wonderful for words. You are always on his mind thinking, how might I help Charlotte today? <laughs> but there's more. Because, because the text, the words are, are alive here. What Jesus is laying down are, are not words on a page, but, but the very living words of the Father in heaven speaking to us, running after us, laying hold of us with his hands. Hallowed be your name. And we suddenly realize it's not peer-to-peer -peer that we're talking about here. Isaiah says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, the eternal God. We are, we are impersonal. The eternal God of the universe knows me by name. Whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. Not to crush. What does Isaiah say? To revive the spirit of the lowly. To revive the heart of the contrite. It's like, it's like when, we, when we say, Father, hallowed be your name, that God responds with life resuscitates what is dying within us, what is faltering, what is fading, what is... I must know this God. And Jesus continues and paints a picture of him. And, and the, 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 the prayer is this story of this relationship with the one who is totally other, yet somehow merciful and mighty. And as 
the Apostle Paul says, it's in this Father that we live and move and have our being. Not distant and removed. <laughs> Intimate. Personal. Familiar. Oh, don't you love the familiar? I love, I love that part. The familiar is where we go when we don't know where to go, right? Let's say that again. The familiar is where we go when we don't know where to go. Where do you want to go to eat? Oh, we always go to Bob Evans. We go. Where do you want to meet for breakfast? Bob's. Why? I know what I'm going to get there. I don't know. But drink deep here, church. When prayer makes no sense, maybe when we feel like we don't have the right words or have any words at all, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Someone has said prayer is easy, but prayer is also hard. It's true, right? We know that. We know this because we've lived it. Sometimes, sometimes there are days when moments when prayer comes so easily, the, the words just flow from our, from our lips like the waters over Niagara Falls. And other times we struggle. We stammer. We search for words that just won't Come, Jesus gives us words that become familiar, that become part of the fabric of our relationship with God, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Like, like our kids when they start to put sentences together. Jesus is helping us put sentences together. I'm always amazed the Lord's prayer takes less than 30 seconds. You'll ask me how I know that. I don't know. I do know how I know that. But I do know this too. In, in less than 30 seconds, my perspective changes when I don't know where to go and I go to the Father and I pray, Our Father who art in heaven, my perspective changes. Suddenly, my gaze is lifted and I remember that my uplook determines my outlook. I challenge you with something just for a moment. And I can get back to the message. But uh, the way I learned that uh, the Lord's Prayer takes about somewhere in the neighborhood of between 24 and 26 seconds, you, you can, is, is when I lived in South Dakota, some of you will appreciate this, some of you will say, you're a nut. When I lived in South Dakota, I hooked up with this guy. His name was Jeremy Butterfield. I probably told you about him before, but he was a personal trainer. He was, he was built like... 
And I'd work out with him and he'd have me do stupid things. And, and the way that relationship all got started, a guy in my church said, hey, hey, Thanksgiving's coming up. Why don't we get a jump on the holiday season? Why don't you meet me at the gym? I don't know what he was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> but Jeremy would have me do these, these weird things like wall sits for 45 seconds and then a minute or planks or burpees. What a sight. But the way I would get through those 45 seconds or those 60 second intervals is I would pray the Lord's Prayer and I, I figured out I could get through in 60 seconds two and a half times our Father who art in heaven. And so here's my challenge for you this week to, to think about and consider because I've caught myself doing this more than, more than once, probably more than I would care to admit to you. But when I'm waiting, I'm just mindlessly scrolling Facebook. Or mindlessly searching through tweets or playing on the internet and I wonder I deleted my Facebook account, just completely deleted it off of uh, my phone, Twitter, the same way. The apps, not the account. And decided that God was telling me, why don't you redeem that time, Pastor Bob? And he used to sit on a wall and pray, Our Father, how about, how about while you're waiting at the doctor's office, while you're waiting on your friend to show up for breakfast while you're waiting, while you're waiting, why don't you redeem that time? And I wonder, I wonder if that wouldn't be good for all of us. Instead of, maybe we pray this familiar prayer. Your kingdom come, give us this day, Jesus says. Let us, let us see you, God. Be, be visible to us. Let us taste and see your goodness. Give us glimpses. Give us a taste. Rowan Williams, Archbishop of Canterbury, said, Rivers of ink have been spilt over the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, because the Greek word is strange here. It's strange. It probably means daily stuff that we need to survive. It probably means that. But more than a few early church fathers took it to mean tomorrow's bread. And they thought it meant, give us a taste of the bread we will eat in the kingdom of God. Give us a sample. Give us a foretaste. Give us a taste of what Isaiah was talking about in, in, in chapter 25 when he said, on this mountain, on this very mountain, the Lord is going to prepare a feast of aged wine, of choice meats, of choice meats and aged wines. He's going to prepare the finest for us. And they said... What the people were asking for is help us to see you here now, God. 
in the, in the midst of whatever I'm going through, help me to see you now and, and help me to taste that, that bread that's going to keep me going that knows that, that the Father has prepared for me a place. Help me to know that, that in your kingdom to come, there will be no more pain, no more death, no more, no more sorrow, no more separation. Make me, pull me forward in faith, God. Pull me forward. So when we take the bread of communion, and I, I often pray, make, make the taste linger in my mouth, Lord, of this bread and this juice. And, and, yet, and yet now I'm thinking maybe what I need to be praying, because Jesus said when he gave the bread and the, the wine, and he said, do this in remembrance of me, he also said, because I won't do this again until we eat it together in the kingdom of heaven. Maybe what my prayer should be when I take the bread and the juice is, God, give me a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. Maybe. Because we're desperate, aren't we? Aren't we desperate? Last week we talked about what is wrong with the world. We're desperate. We're, we're unsettled. There's, there's so much cause for alarm. God, make me to know what I know, that your kingdom that is coming has already broken into this world, and you are here with me. Make me to know that, God. Secure me. Show me. That nothing, absolutely nothing, as the Apostle Paul wrote, your kingdom come, it will be done. Give me this day. Make me to know that nothing can ever separate me from your love. No power of hell we sing. No scheme of man can ever pluck me from your hand. Make me to know that, God. Help me to see you and taste you today. Somebody here probably needs to, to be reminded of that because, because you feel especially vulnerable, and, and that's not a feeling we like. We're, we're in places. We're in shaky ground. The world around us is, is crumbling. Maybe it was a, a word from the doctor. Maybe, maybe it was a relationship gone south. Maybe, maybe Maybe it was just, man, I, I just don't see any way out of this. I don't even know why this is happening to me. God, God, make me to know. That your grace is sufficient. And that what you have promised, you will see to. Make me to know that today. And like I said, there's more than a good chance someone here needs to catch a glimpse to sample a taste today. Frederick Buchner writes, <clears throat> Even if he does not bring you the answer you want, he will bring you himself. 
Even if he does not bring you the answer you want, he will bring you himself. And maybe at the secret heart of all of our prayers, that is what we are really praying for. God, give me you. And Jesus, Jesus wraps up this whole teaching saying he will not suffer to give you the Holy Spirit. He will give you himself. He will. halftime I've told you about the father and the familiar now I want to remind you of the faithful because so much threatens to drive us apart right I mean, we, we take offense at every little thing. That's the world we live in now, right? Oh, that offends me. That bothers me. Jesus says to the disciples, pray this way, Father, forgive me, Forgive us, for we also forgive others. Back in the day, I made my coaching debut at Bristol Elementary School, Bristol, South Dakota. I had a, a stellar team uh, comprised of second through sixth graders, boys basketball, and we played against fifth and sixth grade teams, and we Predictably, didn't win any games. <laughs> but I remember some of my early coaching experiences, and we would work through drills, and it's, it's kind of amazing because, uh, because uh, yeah, at, at that point in my life, shooting a layup was just something that you know, I, I did. And I would teach the boys... And I would show them, and then I would say things like, now you show me. Two-hand chest pass, you show me. Whatever it was. I'd demonstrate, now you show me. Pray this way. Forgive everyone who sins against us. Every week, we come in and we, we sing and we look at this cross. And it reminds us of this simple, yet unbelievably profound truth.
that Jesus prayed this very prayer. Father, forgive them. I've, I've done it for you. See, this, this prayer tells a story, but it calls us to action. They aren't just empty words. They're just... Now it begins to get serious. This prayer is going to require something of me. And we follow the one whose body was nailed to an old rugged cross. I love thee for wearing my thorns on thy brow. Jesus said, I've I've shown you. I've shown you. Now you show me. In the same way that I have forgiven you, so you forgive one another. And then, Jesus closes up this, this portion and, and then pray, lead us not to temptation. Like, fit me for battle, Jesus. Fit me for what's coming, Jesus. Because ahead, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I am overcome the world, Jesus is, is, is wrapping up, he's saying, pray this, not only for the moment, but for the days that are coming. And it's so interesting to me Except for John, of the ones that, that heard it this day, every one faced the executioner. And John faced a different kind of execution. He was exiled. He was separated from everything that he knew. Lord, get me ready for the days ahead because I know they're coming. I know the trials are coming. God, God, now, God, now, before they get here, prepare me for them. This is such a powerful prayer. And one of the things that I've, I've, I've often wondered over the years is, is the evangelical community has, has really shunned anything kind of that's written ahead of time. 
We much prefer extemporaneous in the moment. And I wonder sometimes, because, because I've been thinking a lot lately about this, this whole idea of the cloud of witnesses. And often, oftentimes when I lead the Lord's Prayer, I will say things like, let us join with Christians across the ages who have prayed this way. And as I think about the disciples' questions and, and the words, I begin thinking about Hebrews 12 and the, the cloud of witnesses, and I wonder, I wonder to myself, friends, secretly I wonder this. Cheryl tells me you, you think too much, but I, I wonder how many people, how many people on the brink, how many people struggling, how many people wounded, ready to give up on Jesus and ready to give up on each other, prayed this prayer and discovered once again the wonder of all that God is to us as he reveals himself in this prayer. I wonder. I wonder. How many against the assault of the enemy? How many against the vulnerability that we feel as, as humans? How many found peace? God, secure my soul. How many found rest? How many found the courage to forgive? How many found the strength to press on? How many found, in these simple words, a resurrection of hope rising within them? How many? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, can you sense them? Oh, if these walls could talk. But not only that, if, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Father, forgive me. Let us throw off this and let us, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I wonder as he, as he knelt over the, the stone in Gethsemane, I wonder if he prayed, Father, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And in the middle, between, since we are surrounded, let us fix our eyes, is let us run. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And Jesus says to his disciples, it will be a great help to you as you run this race. As you walk 
with the Father. It will be a great help to you if you pray this way. So church, this is what I want to do. As we wrap up this message, I want you to stand. I want you to stand, and I debated about this, but I'm, I'm just going to be bold. I want you to join hands. I, I, if you have to move, I want, I want, you, I want you to join in hands. And in the spirit of unity, maintaining the bond of peace that the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to give us, let us, let us pray with Christians across the ages who have prayed this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Little ones, Jesus said. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is yours. May the words of this prayer linger in your spirits long after you leave here today. And may you be comforted by the Holy Spirit as he causes these words to come alive in your heart. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always. Amen.